pages, like magic, all of a sudden, my content was no longer offensive. It was restored in the exact same position. Now, the courts believe that I'm trying to hold them accountable for what my content was, and I'm not. I'm holding them accountable for their conduct. It was anti-competitive. They're utilizing their, their basically their authority to regulate content for their own financial benefit. And what's sad is the court even identified that. They said that because FIC alleged that Facebook took its actions for monetary purposes does not make them a developer of information. No, it doesn't necessarily make them a developer, but it does mean that it was anti-competitive and you acknowledged it. So the court conceded that they knew it was anti-competitive. And that's the problem is, is that essentially Section 230 has turned into a weapon to be able to remove anything and everything. And there is a specific reason why they cannot have that uh, delegatory power. That's what we're getting into now. Now, Jason, was this was this a did you become a target uh, of censorship or 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 was Facebook somehow um, shutting you down to um, to profit or both? They're shutting me down to profit, because if you think about it, right, an individual spends a specific amount of time on online. Right. Like that's they don't spend all day, every day. Now, some people may. But the reality is, is that people have a limited amount of time that they'll spend online. So that time that they spend online has a value to it. If they see something in the newsfeed, it has value. If they never make it deep enough down in the newsfeed, it has no value. So if I'm posting content, you would see my content in your newsfeed, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and everyone else. Now, the thing is, is that if Facebook is taking money and Google and Twitter are taking money to displace people in their own newsfeeds, to show sponsored advertisers, they're partnered with those advertisers and they have a financial self-interest to remove you in order to displace your content, to stick other content in. Entire business model is anti-competitive. And that's not what Section 230 is about. It was about protecting children from harmful, offensive content. It has nothing to do with making the free market in, like incompatible with business. Now, I was, I was fortunate enough uh, to, uh, to, to, to meet Governor DeSantis. It's been about a, over a, about a month, I suppose, Jason. And, uh, and for listeners to understand, uh, I was at the time um, uh, working at, at, at Ryan Hartwig, who's a Facebook whistleblower, had, had introduced me to Jason. And, it, it, and we had a sit-down meal uh, or gathering, uh, what, three months ago, I suppose, in, in Florida and Boca Raton, uh, something like that. Uh, and, 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 and Jason and I had been in dialogue I, I asked the governor, who has a JD from Harvard, um, I asked him specifically, uh, uh, well, I wanted to make the introduction, see if he was willing and, and open to, to discussing this with Jason. Uh, uh, what, what we have been doing is essentially trying to assemble uh, a team with political influence to gain, to, for Americans to gain awareness of this. So certainly most people know that Donald Trump was deplatformed by Twitter, and we can get into that, Jason. Uh, but but this is what's interesting, and this is where I want Jason to explain for listeners kind of the nuts and bolts, grains of 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 where where he's coming from and his attack. Um, and those watching the video can see that he's uh, definitely not messing around uh, physically. Uh, he's an imposing person. Uh, Ron asked me. He says, "What theory is Jason?" suing under what theory jason take it from there and explain this to listeners all right 
So when Enigma got a different decision than I got, right? We asked the same question, is anti-competitive behavior immune under Section 230? In my case, they said 230C1 immunizes it because you can't treat them as a publisher, which is actually not the language of the law. It actually says the publisher, but I won't get deep into that. Then they turn around four months later and they say it doesn't immunize anti-competitive blocking and screening decisions. So they are diametrically opposed decisions that can't coexist. I was not getting equal protection. Enigma got protection. I did not. I did not get my day in court. Now, the thing is, is that equal protection applies to two different constitutional amendments the 5th and the 14th Amendment. So most people would think that this applies to the 14th Amendment because it would be civil. It is not. It is actually penal code. Here is why. The Due Process Clause of the United States Constitution has to do with anything that can deny someone of life, liberty, or property, okay? That there has to be a process of due process, right? That's your Fifth Amendment rights. That if they're gonna penalize you for anything, you have a Fifth Amendment right to be able to, to challenge that. And most of the Fifth Amendment is, is that, you know, that the laws are, are you know, um, uniformly applied. They must have measurable bounds and in the interest of the people. It's the basics of it, right? So I was looking at it and people might be like, well, wait, wait, wait. Penal code has nothing to do with Facebook. It does, or Twitter or Google. So in the protection for good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive materials, most people don't realize the protection is the delegation of authority. The good Samaritan is the in the interest of the people. It's supposed to be for the good of others to block and screen offensive materials. Well, who owns the materials? We do. It's our property. So when they're blocking and screening our materials or, or banning us like they did to President Trump, they banned him from the entire site. They are blocking and filtering his property. Now, that means that they are creating quasi-penal law, right? So their community standards are effectively legislative power. They can set any regulation they want. But the thing about it is, is that most people don't recognize they are acting in the capacity of the FCC, right? The FCC, what does it do? It regulates the airwaves, right? It makes sure the TV and so forth. But the FCC doesn't do the internet. They granted that power to a private entity, okay? So how does that, and, and of course, that's an argument, and, and trust me, I get the left screaming at me, oh, they can do whatever they want because they're a private entity. Yes, they have a First Amendment right. They can do anything they want. It's the government that can't protect them for doing so is the problem. It's the protection issue. Here's why. So when I started looking at the Fifth Amendment, and I'm going to read you a quote here, so as I started looking into the Fifth Amendment, which is an angle that no other lawyers, I don't, I don't believe anybody's looking at it from that angle, but we did. Um, I found the case law and precedent. I'm not going to announce what it is just yet. We're, we're waiting on, we're actually working on something big. And I, as I told you, I spoke with some very big players today. Um, we're gaining some help here, some big help. They're, they're really catching on because this is the way to stop 230. And you'll understand when I read this quote. This is probably going to be one of the most important quotes of modern history, but ready? Yeah. Supreme Court held that Congress's delegation of authority to the commission was unconstitutional because it conferred power not to an official body, but, quote, to private persons or entities whose interests may be and often are adverse to the interests of others in the same business. While the court struck down the, de the delegation by citing to the Fifth Amendment's due process clause, 
the non-delegation doctrine loomed largely in the background of the decision with the court calling Congress's actions, quote, legislative delegation in its most obnoxious form. The non-delegation doctrine in relation to private entities still remains a pillar of the original understanding of the doctrine that Congress may not delegate any legislative authority, any, meaning the fact that they can write their own conduct, write their own rules, write their own community standards and enforce them as law under protection of Congress. This is a violation of all our due, our due process rights. Now, it's funny because they went on to say that this standard effectively allowed Congress to grant administrative agencies here, private businesses, the authority to create any rule they deem in the public interest solely relying on the agency's own views and policy agenda rather than requiring Congress to set forth objective guidelines. Do you think, Ian, that it is any coincidence that just, now we filed March 22nd, and we brought up the fact that due process was gonna be called into question in our motion. Three days later, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he entered a document, uh, what was a pre, pre-testimony uh, before Congress on March 25th, three days later, and Mark Zuckerberg suggested uh, a third party was needed to make companies maintain, quote, fair and clear moderation policies um, while pleading with Congress to require, quote, by which companies make and enforce the rules about content that is harmful but legal. Do you think it's any coincidence that we bring into account the due process clause and that under due process, an official regulatory commission, a third party must actually be the one who creates regulatory code. It needs to be either delegated by Congress or it needs to be delegated by uh, a regulatory commission that has no interest in the business, just like the FCC, because they have an interest in their own business. And because they are a private entity regulating themselves, it is adverse for others in the same business. Because, Ian, what did I just tell you? I was in the same business as them. I made money from advertising in newsfeed, and they make money for advertising in newsfeed. I was simply regulated out. Or, better example, how about Parler? Parler started to make massive gains. People were fleeing. All of a sudden, on all of the platforms simultaneously, they violated the, the rules and were regulated right off. This is the most obnoxious form of legislative delegation that exists, and it is unconstitutional under the Fifth Amendment if they are a private entity. If they want to argue that they're an official regulatory commission, great. Well, then they're subject to the Bill of Rights, just like the FCC. And the First Amendment applies, and it would be unconstitutional under the First Amendment. In other words, it's a catch-22. We go after the United States for Section 230's unconstitutionality under the Fifth. It is either the Fifth or the First. Either way, it's still unconstitutional, and that a third-party regulatory commission would have to be created that would be subject to the First Amendment. So we're, we're looking at um, we're looking at. A, 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 a firewall here of separating um, private versus public interest. Is that correct, Jason? Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
And that makes me think of uh, that makes me think of my understanding of the Federal Reserve System that basically uh, uh, that basically has a stranglehold over the federal government and therefore constitutional rights. This is how I view it. And I know we know that Woodrow Wilson lamented the fact that he signed off on the passing of the Federal Reserve Act. But the Federal Reserve, very simplest, very simplest, uh, sim- uh, simply, is a private bank. How do we clean up these private interests? How do we hold them more accountable? And of course, this is exactly what you're doing. How do we hold them more accountable to representing we, the people, the public? Well, so the situation is this, is that I sued Facebook as a private company. Good example is Dr. Shiva uh, is suing Twitter as a private company. Neither of those cases will actually resolve the problem. What will resolve the problem, which is exactly what you're asking here, is how do we stop this? Our next step is to sue the United States of America, the actual government, for not doing, not abiding by our constitutional rights. That the law that they granted to these private entities for their own private interests has hurt us all. It's damaged. It's not in the public interest. I mean, think about this. And, and anybody that knows Donald Trump should, should pass this along to him. It cannot logically be determined that regulating and banning a duly elected president of the United States of America is in the public interest when inherently he was elected by the public interest. That doesn't make logical sense. I can repeal this law. We are now gaining help fast. We, we are going to have an entire team. This is going to get good real fast. We are going to go after Section 230 like nobody else has ever done before. We have the path. And the way that I know that I'm right on target is as soon as I put this out there and to the tech lawyers, man, they came after me like wolves, attacked me every which way. Couldn't, couldn't break the argument. I can't. I mean, logically, you don't have to be an attorney to understand this. Constitutionally, if you if laws are enforced arbitrarily. Right. And you could go to your death sentence by an arbitrary decision. That's not due process, is it? Like That's the whole reason for due process. The law, you either broke it or you didn't break it. There's no arbitrary prosecution. Well, when Facebook creates community standards and all these companies make their standards, That's quasi law. They've been granted legislative power to create a law. And and I'll ask you honestly, Ian, I don't. Do you think that their standards are uniformly applied and have measurable bounds and are in the interest of the people? Well, that's that's a clear no. That's a (laughs) that's a clear no. Can't be due process then. That's the point. They. Section 230 C2A is unconstitutional and everybody. Oh, now, and I want to squash uh, another concern that I, I have gotten is people are like, oh, great. You're going to destroy the Internet because they're going to be responsible for everything on the Internet. No, that's not true either. 230 C1 is not unconstitutional. If you can't be treated as someone else. Now, that's not even a protection. Most people think that that's a protection. It's not a protection. It's simply a statement of treatment. You cannot be treated as me. Facebook can't be treated as another person unless it is 
a publisher. That's the problem. That's where everybody made the mistake or where the judges are making the mistake is they said that they can't be treated as a publisher. And the law doesn't say that. It says they can't be treated as the publisher. The denotes that it pre-existed, meaning they can't be treated as someone else converted into, they can't even be treated as themselves. But that would stay there. No, you're not responsible for what somebody else did. If you have no involvement, if you are not involved in the, the progression, the sponsor, I mean, they should be responsible for every single sponsored ad there is because they take money to advertise it. They develop that information as a content provider. So that won't change. But what will change is they will not be able to restrict based on their own community standards. They won't even be able to make community standards. That will have to be a third party. And that's why Zuckerberg's asking for it. He knows that right now these companies can't make community standards and regulate any way they want because there's no uniformity to it. None. It's arbitrarily enforced at will for their own self-interest. Jason, let me let me insert this here. Uh, now, I've, I've, I've had the fortune of having a former CEO of Overstock.com, a very well-educated human being. Um, he, uh, he, he, he literally was not a, not a Trump guy. Um, he was, he was asked to get involved. He saw the corruption in the media. Uh, the gentleman I'm talking about is, is Patrick Byrne. Um, what does a guy like that bring to the table in your view and, 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 uh, and tame it down a little bit for listeners, explain what section 230 is, uh, the 26 words that is, that it is and explain how it needs to be changed. So, Go with Patrick Byrne and your understanding of who he is and how he can make a change, and then uh, and then get in simplify uh, uh, two thirty for our listeners. So yes, um, I had the uh, fortune of speaking with Patrick Byrne actually this morning, um, and Patrick is involved with uh, election integrity, uh, as are many other people right now. Um, and election integrity, you know, people are not may not necessarily be able to uh, associate election integrity and social media. They are actually one and the same. If social media is controlling the visibility of election officials, um, for example, Dr. Shiva, when he ran, um, I know um, Congresswoman uh, Chris Bish, you know, she, she was, there's all sorts of them that have been suppressed. That's dangerous to election integrity, uh, potentially on its face. It's also a matter of in-kind donations. You know, if they're giving more of a platform to Democrats than Republicans, then that's an issue. And, and this isn't really necessarily my argument is not a political argument. My argument is simply that these companies should not have this power because they shouldn't be controlling elections. They shouldn't be controlling speech. They shouldn't be controlling what is and is it is not acceptable. And I say, well, it's on their site. But yes, it's on their site. But if they act illegally, the government can't protect them from illegal acts. It's ridiculous. So with some people's help, like Patrick Byrne and, and some others that we've, we've been speaking to recently, this case against the United States is not going to be easy. I mean, it's this is not like, hey, well, you know, I'm just going to grab a you know, lawyer from down the, the street and we're just going to go after the United States. This we're going to have to bring a war. And because there are a lot of people that don't want this to change because they control speech. It's essentially laundering control of speech through a private entity. I mean, if you look at the case of Dr. Shiva, the and this is a confusing part for many, and, I, and I'll give a good delineation for his case, right? Because I'm following everybody's case, right? In the past, 
the people, you know, they, the, the companies have been sued because they were acting as state actors, supposedly. And those lawsuits failed. And the reason they failed is because the government granted them the authority to act as, you know, regulatory body. And they argued that that makes them a state actor. Well, it doesn't. And if you think about it, if I allowed you to go in and steal something, you're not acting on my behalf, are you? I'm just allowing you to. But if I gave you a directive to go steal something, I am now at fault. I am acting. I am an invested person, right? So when the government had that portal to Twitter and they gave him, gave whatever uh, official it was, the directive to Twitter to shut him down, now they actually are a state actor. They didn't just have the authority, they had a directive. There's a big difference. Now, that's great. Twitter will either be sanctioned and have to cut that off, but it actually doesn't solve the entire problem because just because they acted as a direct, as a state actor, doesn't mean that Google and, and Facebook did. See how the problem just stops right there? And what we're saying is the only way to resolve this is not to go after the, the private businesses, is to turn our attention to the United States itself and say, you do not have the authority in the first place to delegate this power because it violates my Fifth Amendment under the Non-Delegation Act. And I haven't really touched on it today, but there's something called void for vagueness as well, when laws are, are so vague that they can lead to arbitrary prosecution. That's another unconstitutional method. So we have the argument. We've got it all together. We need, we need support. Um, I'm working on uh, the Social Media Freedom Foundation. We just formed that. It's a 501c4. That'll essentially uh, support the fight that we're going to be going. And we're going to need help. You know, if there are people out there that, you know, it's funny because a lot of people donate to these. Uh, I won't say any specific names, but they donate to, you know, to rhinos and, and Democrats and everybody else. They throw money at problems. But these people are blowhards. They're all talk, no action. I am all action, no talk. I have done nothing but attack this problem since 2018. I use my own money. I have run myself basically into the ground. I'm not giving up, but I need people's help. I need people to come in with me, support the foundation, support me, and let's go fix Section 230 and, and save America. Because if we don't do this, they, they own America. If they control 90% of the online interactions, we're done. They're just going to keep buying up every other company until all online speech is controlled. It's dangerous. Okay, so, so Jason, we 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 defend ourselves as as Americans. That the, the Section Two Hundred and Thirty is something that 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 we aim to get rewritten. Uh, we defend our freedom of speech. We defend our freedom of press. These are constitutional rights. When we look at something like the internet. Uh, the, the way I understand the Internet, we look at what is known as the World Wide Web, which is basically these uh, these web browser links that link computers internationally via um, via telephone wire, satellites, what, whatever it may be. If we back up, if I back up, Jason, and I say, uh, I say, OK, well, where does the World Wide Web in, uh, begin? Uh, it's developed uh, in the late 80s by Tim Berners-Lee. And where does he do it? He does it at CERN in Switzerland. So the WWW uh, protocol, uh, as it will be, if I understand it, is not even an American uh, in, in invention. Now, the telephone line certainly is. 
How does that kind of stack up? And we're getting away from Section 230. I do want to go back into Section 230, getting away from Section 230. What does it look like as we have global listeners here? Uh, uh, what does it look like in regards to the WWW? Who is controlling this, uh, Jason? When you say who is controlling what specifically? The, the airwaves? Yeah, the Internet. Well, the the well, the internet is just that it it's free open space. Um, a good way that I can describe how it it functions, uh, which is just another good analogy. If you look at uh, gold mining, for example, right? It's ironic that these companies are mostly in California, but if you look at gold mining, when you go to to find gold mining, does the does the land management company own the land, or is it the federal government? Well, there's usually, yeah, lease. Okay, right. So they're getting a lease on a federally owned land. So it's the people's land. Well, that's what the internet is. It's just open land. And Facebook and Google and Twitter have become land management companies acting as a management company for specific URLs, unique um, record locators, right? Those record locators, if you think about it, when you go to Facebook, right, let's just say you set up an account and you want to, produce a like page. You have to have at least 25 fans in order to request a URL, right? Well, the same thing happens with gold. You actually have to find minerals, you have to find the gold in order to stake a claim. When you stake the claim, it's like getting your URL. You now have space granted to you by the management company, just like Facebook is granting, um, you know, space to you. Now, the thing about the management company is, is they're the ones that have been granted this power to regulate. Okay, so they're out there and they're saying, oh, okay, come on in, use the land. And guys like me, we found huge gold claims real early on, but we're we're small fry. We're we're little guys just, you know, working our way up. But we had the best gold claims. Eventually, the land runs out. There's only so much land that really has gold on it. Right. So the management company goes, well, we, we need to put some regulations together because the big gold mining companies, they come in and they say, wait a second, we want to use this land. We got to get these guys off of here. Well, the, the management company says, well, we're going to come up with some regulations. So uh, you all need to wear hard hats. You need to do this. You need to do that. And they start wiping out the little guys first. They're the easiest ones to get rid of. And the big companies come in and say, well, we can we can do hard hats. No problem. So they come in and they start sucking up these land management claims. But the interesting thing with the big companies is they have a kickback because they use the management company's equipment, right? So now the management company is actually making money. It has a financial interest, just like sponsored ads, to get these little guys off of the claims because we don't have to, we don't have to pay for their equipment. We're already in there. And what has happened is, is that they've gotten to the point now where the regulations are so broad, they're so vague, remember void for vagueness, that they would say, you can't do dangerous things. Well, that's subjective, right? It's arbitrary. What's dangerous? And they came into my mind and they said, you're doing dangerous stuff. I said, no, I'm not. They said, yes, you did get out. And they locked my gate, set me home. And I went to another miner who was next door, who was doing really well because he used the equipment from the management company. I said, hey, can you see if you can get my mine reopened because we're using the same standards you are. And the management company said, no, no, we can't do it for that guy. He's, he's dangerous. He said, but if you guys do it, 
no problem, you're not dangerous. So they come over and they unlock the gate when I sell them the company. And the only thing that changed in my entire mining operation is who owns the operation. Nothing else changed, it was identical. So the regulation was just arbitrarily enforced, right? I was arbitrarily prosecuted. And I have no recourse because the government is denying me a day in court. I can't even challenge it. And because everybody thinks, oh, you had your day in court. No, I didn't. This is dismissal proceedings, meaning I can't, I'm actually asking the court for a day in court because I can't get a day in court. That's what dismissal is. And we're, so it's impossible to say that I got due process when I can't even get a day in court to challenge something that is illegal. Anti-competitive behavior is illegal anywhere else. Just because it's in the ether of the internet and because I can't treat them as a publisher, illegal conduct is not illegal anymore. That's not logical and it's not constitutional. See how this all works? So essentially all Facebook, Google, and Twitter are is a management company of the internet. Some people were talking about, you know, trying to get them denoted as a utility. They're not. I mean, they're not really a utility now because and because and unfortunately, I mean, this is it's it's counterintuitive, but there is a reason to regulate online. I mean, you wouldn't want anybody to see child pornography, right? Right. That's, bad. that's offensive, but that's logically offensive to everybody in good faith. Right. Well, that's not, not being taken now. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's where it gets crazy. If C1 says that they didn't post it there, but if they know it's there. That's a tort again, because now we're back into negligence. Contributory negligence is an issue as well. But the thing is, is that I would say that there has to be regulation. It does have to be safe. But the thing is, the company shouldn't have the power to make those rules. Those, they're literally law for themselves. It has to be the equivalent of the FCC for the Internet. There needs to be a third-party official regulatory commission that has no interest in any of these companies that sets a uniform law meaning this is illegal x y and z done and they uniformly enforce it and they i mean because then there's a way to challenge it and then then there is due process and that's just i mean realistically they shouldn't even be you know granted that power either but in terms of what the Supreme Court has considered constitutionally sufficient, if an independent regulatory commission is grant, you know, is given objective guidelines by Congress with an intelligible principle upon which to function, it is then constitutionally sufficient for a third party to regulate. Still will be, it'll still fall within the First Amendment, though. They won't be able to restrict much. So the umbrella does the FCC need to be held accountable or is this not their jurisdiction and that third kind of party needs to be created jason that's just it it's not their jurisdiction the sec cannot regulate the internet and that's why they granted the power to private entities because they said well who better to do it but the problem is well more so the precedent that i found had the same situation it was mining it's not it, <laughs> The reason I gave you a mining um, analogy is not arbitrary. It's the same process, the, the way it's done, and essentially is claim jumping and everything else. Mining case, what they did was they said, okay, the commission for the mining case is going to be, or the mining commission is going to be private entities. 
And the bigger your business is, the more delegates you have. So the more delegates you have, the more power you have to set regulations, correct? Yeah. Right up until the regulations are adverse to others in the same business. They start regulating things that the little guy can't do to wipe out the little guy because they have a personal interest in that little guy being wiped out. Same thing happens with the problem here. So the FCC is, it's not their jurisdiction, but a new FCC, which is, you know, we're positioning that the Social Media Freedom Foundation becomes that regulatory commission. We should be it. I mean, who better of a person to to set what the, the regulations are online than the people that stop big tech from regulating everything online? Jason, what was what was Burns' reaction to 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 your conversation, to your angle, to 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 your uh, your discussion with him? What, what was his reaction? Um, without going too much into the conversation, I will say that it was an appropriate reaction. And that him not being an attorney, he did exactly what he should do, which is to put us in touch with his attorney's team to validate what I'm saying. Because this is stuff that no attorneys are talking about. It, it is completely novel in a, in a sense. It is case precedent. It has happened and it has worked. And the same kind of statutes have been struck. But it is not something that anybody else in this world is talking about right now. Why? Because I'm, we're ahead of them. We are, we are, I just, I've spent so much time on section 230. It's, you know, section 230's understanding is not about reading the words that are in front of you. Most, honestly, some people can't even read that. If you look at the actual words, it doesn't say what they say. Like read the actual words, but it's more than that. It's more than case precedent because as Justice Thomas said, there's questionable precedent in its wake. There's lots of questionable precedent out there that was wrong. There's people using specific quotes. I had one the other day where, uh, a guy used uh, a portion of a quote from a case. Um, uh, I can't think of the case off the top of my head, but but it basically said that good or, uh, good faith doesn't apply. But if you if I went in and because I was like, wow, that, that doesn't make any logical sense. And of course, I went in and I read the whole quote and it said, but that that good faith aspect wasn't articulated in the case. And that in some cases, good, good faith would apply. In other words, his entire premise for for what he was saying was wrong. If you read the whole context. Now, who does that sound like? Does that sound like the media with, with President Trump? They take everything out of context to give you what is called text proofing. They prove it with a piece of the text out of context. Well, that's the problem with Section 230 is the courts are using, they're just not reading deep enough into it and not understanding all of the cases to understand that in context, what was said makes sense. But in the full context of what 230 is, it doesn't work. It's really not because everybody's talking about rewriting Section 230. It's not really that broken. It's unconstitutional. But the law itself says what it says. And it's I mean, it could be cleaned up a little bit. I actually made a um, uh, an amended um, well, Section 230. I, I did a legislative amendment. There's only like 12 changes in the whole thing that would actually clean it up as it sits. This is separate of the constitutional issue. This is if we just let it ride in the, in the capacity that it is, the courts would have a better understanding of how it works. Um, but if not, we'll just go after repealing it. That's what our, our next path is. So Section 230 is in place because of a, I think, a 1996 bill that 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 was written by uh, Wyden out of Oregon and uh, this representative Cox out of California, 
what was the issue at the time that caused it to be written? So it in walks a guy. He's carrying this big blue book of smut. And what he had done was gone online and he had found all sorts of just horrible, offensive, terrible stuff, right? And ironically, it wasn't brought in digitally. It was brought in in hard copy in a big blue book. And he plopped it down and they basically said, this is what we need to prevent. And the reason for it was, was actually not to clean up the entire internet. The entire legislative intent of Section 230 was to protect children from harmful content children the reason is is that they wanted the sites and this is the misconception of how 230 works they wanted the sites the ability it's, it's a publishing function to remove that type of content to protect children from harm and they said do this in good faith acting as a good samaritan and that's what's called the intelligible principle upon which congress delegated the authority they said, well, you come in and you, you, you can remove this stuff. Well, the problem with as soon as you mess with any content on your site, for example, you no longer are a bulletin board, are you? You become a publisher, right? As soon as you do anything. So, so it's different than forums in that sense. So if you start to remove any content, what happens is, is there's a transition where you then become responsible for everything you missed. If you regulate one thing, everything else that's left behind, you are now liable for. And what they recognize is that if they grant you the protection to remove content, they also had to explain, that's what the whole treatment portion was, is that if you remove content, if you have no involvement as a publisher, meaning you took no action at all, you were not responsible for what was left behind. <clears throat> now, that seems simple enough. And it's, as you said, the 26 words. It's funny because I'm, I'm actually writing a book about Section 230. And they call it the 26 words that created the Internet. I call it the 26 words that confused the world. And it's actually quite simple. It says no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of the content provided by another information content provider. Right. Something along those lines. The tail is a little bit different, but whatever. But the point being is <clears throat> it says no provider user shall be treated as the publisher. OK, the doesn't seem like a very important word, but the Supreme Court has held that the, every word of the law is important and that we have to avoid redundancies and duplications whenever possible. OK, that's what's called canons of, of basic um, of, what is it? Canons of, of uh, statutory construction, right? It's like the basics. <clears throat> so if a law is written, it shouldn't be redundant. We've got to look at every single word, right? Well, first off, let's look at 230C real quick. Protection for Good Samaritan Blocking and Screening of Offensive Materials. So we know it's about blocking and screening, but most people miss that it says protection, not protections. It is a singular protection. It's one, right? So it can't be more than one protection. So let me go to 230C1 again, the 26 words. The publisher. Can't be treated as the publisher that provided the content. Okay, well, if the content originates with somebody else, and then you say, well, you can't be treated as a publisher. Well, that's wrong. Here's why. James Madison once argued that the most important word in the right to free speech is the word the. 
because the denoted that the right pre-existed any potential abridgment. So if this case, if this, you know, if that word's important, the publisher pre-existed, meaning they can't be treated as someone else. If you convert that into and not basically not read, not the words, the word says the publisher, it doesn't say a publisher. If you can't be treated as a publisher of any information arising from someone else, you can't be held accountable even for your own actions, can you? If the content came from someone else, meaning a third party, like your fact checker, creates content because you paid them to create it, you can't be treated as a publisher of that, even though you are a publisher of it, because you're putting it online for them, because you're paying for them. I mean, how is that any different than any other editorial business, right? They pay for content. So if you can't be treated as a publisher, well, that's what the court held in my case. But here's the problem. If the next one is the actual protection, which is protection for restricting materials, right? It says no provider or any action taken um, to restrict, what is it? Any action voluntary taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of materials that are otherwise considered lewd, lascivious, or otherwise objectionable, even if they're constitutionally protected, which is ironic because they're even saying you can break the constitution. We don't care. But think about this. That's a publisher, right? Ninth Circuit said removing content is something a publisher does, right? Okay. Well, the first law says you can't be a publisher. And the second law says you can't be a publisher. Doesn't the first law swallow the second law? You can't be considered a, a publisher in the first place, right? So why do you need the second law? It's completely duplicate. It's redundant, right? So that can't be what it means. But if you break it down to what it really means, which is you can't be treated as someone else for someone else's actions if you're not the publisher. And the second one is, okay, you can be a publisher, but you can only do it in good faith. The courts, and this is even more interesting, the courts turned around, the Ninth Circuit said that 230C2 grants a separate grant of immunity. Listen to this. Here we go out of context, text proofing again. Perhaps because they developed information in part. So now the Ninth Circuit has said, well, if they developed information in part, that's the other grant of immunity C2 does. Well, first off, nowhere in C2 does it say anything about development. In fact, that's actually the definition of a content provider. So that's completely wrong. But even, let's say arbitrarily for whatever sake, it is there. If you can't be treated as a publisher, even for your own publishing action, isn't developing information in part a publishing action? It's close that too. So even what they said doesn't actually resolve the problem. And the problem, and I'll say this, I may have gotten way over people's heads. And I get it because I keep getting it. A lot of people around me, they're like, how do you dumb this down? How do I dumb it down? I want you to understand something again. 20, what, 26, 25, 26 years now this law has been around? Hundreds, if not thousands of judges have looked at it. Attorneys have looked at it. Everybody across the nation is looking at, looking at it. 
and nobody has resolved it. You think it's an easy problem. It's multiple issues that are all working in conjunction with one another, where the courts are granting broad immunity where none exists. They're reading extra immunity into statutes where they do not exist. That's what Justice Thomas said. It's exactly what we said. 230C1 doesn't protect you from being a publisher. It says you can't be treated as someone else and a story. That's the problem. It's a complex problem that I'm trying to explain as simply as I can. Yeah. But it's complex. It's the courts are, are messing it up. Let's let's look at let's look at these private companies that are offering these public publishing platforms. That's my wording, my view. Um, and and specific, specifically talking about Facebook and Twitter, um, and Google to a large extent, because uh, even though Google's not necessarily publishing, uh, it's they're still they'll st- they'll st- they are still part of the 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 issue. Um, and we take again, we take this uh, this medium upon which we're all communicating. And, and as far as I know, it's something that derived from the ARPANET, uh, which we know as uh, uh, th- this World Wide Web. And then we're applying this uh, this this mining concept, which you described uh, wonderfully. And, and we take the United States. And then again, I inserted this Swiss connection with the World Wide Web by this British scientist, Tim Berner Lee's. Uh, Tim Berner-Lee, uh, are, are, are we basically, um, whereas, let me, let me just cycle this through um, uh, economically, are, are, are we as a, uh, as a constitutional republic, are we, are we leasing uh, the space to mine from, Jason? And is that possibly a trail that listeners should be looking down? Is that making sense to you? That's exactly what we've done is, is that the management companies that are leasing out this worldwide web space have been granted the power to regulate in their own self-interest. That's the problem is, is that that can't be the case that an actual mining commission would need to be set up, or in this case, a, an internet regulatory commission that sets it. Now, I will tell you this because this is a worldwide audience. This is a U.S.-based company. It is U.S. law that we're imparting here. It is unconstitutional. I do not know what the ripple effects would be to other countries because it's only U.S. law. I mean, U.S. constitutional law is what would take it away from them. So the question there is, is that if they're operating under U.S. constitutional law, I think that other company or other countries are going to actually have to set their own regulations. Now, that may be bad. It may be Really dangerous. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is that I would sooner an individual country make its own determination what is and is not acceptable online, as opposed to a private company that can regulate at will, you know, arbitrarily and enforce whatever it wants. And I mean, everybody's like, oh, how do they get to be so big? Because they stole everything from everyone. They did everything. If you, you know, people say, oh, well, it's a free market. You can go build something else, except for the fact that they don't like you. They'll cut your API over to the site. So you won't be able to put your company on their company. And good luck ever trying to build up big again, because imagine trying to be the little media guy trying to go up against big media when big media is trashing you. It's impossible. It's that's what a monopoly does. 
it's more like a duopoly or, or you know, a multiopoly, but they are crushing everything. And the reason is because they shouldn't have the power to make that regulatory determination. Shouldn't happen. And now we actually have the precedent, which is the great part. We know how to repeal 230. Yeah, we're going to do it. And, and this is the this is the turning point for the United States. This is the most pressing current issue. And uh, look, I mean, just the fact every commentator on mainstream media should be attacking this. But we always see no that they're not. But we, 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 will, we, will, we will get this done. Some, uh, Jason, thanks for joining the program today. Um, as, as you've mentioned, there is a worldwide audience. What, 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 what are some, uh, what are some, uh, I mean, you, you basically just said it, uh, this, this, the, the jurisdiction comes down to each and individual, each and every individual country and the people that make up that country to speak out and they themselves regulate, not, not the private banks, uh, not the private interests, which is happening globally. Um, and, and the United States is the tip of that, uh, that spearhead. Um, and like you said, uh, once, once we are successful, uh, under, under your, under your, your, your drive here, uh, and we, we accomplish this, there will be ripple effects. What do you, uh, what do you uh, suggest right now, apart from, uh, getting on your website and please provide that for listeners, what do you suggest right now? for uh for listeners wherever they may be globally to start taking action well start passing this information on that the fifth amendment is the way to actually attack this thing that we do not need antitrust legislation we don't need um you know uh, congressional meetings what we need right now is to stop section 230 in its tracks now you made you touched on a really good point the United States may not have jurisdiction over all these other countries. However, the United States acts as a pillar of freedom for the entire world. We fall. There is no hope ever again for any country. That's the way I look at it. Right. So we have to lead by example. And and I would say to all of the interested parties, maybe judges, may, maybe you're completely love big tech's control and whatever. But think about what you're doing. We are going down a path where private companies, sometimes at the direction of government, are silencing dissent. Our country is spiraling away from freedom. They're ripping our constitution apart. And that this is, I, I mean, it's crazy to be sitting here and so few people know who I am when they're the two biggest problems in America right now is election integrity, and big tech's control. Two biggest things. It's speech control. And now I, I have literally sat here on the show, on your show, and explained, we can fix this. So what do I need? I need help. I need everyone's help. You want to throw money at something that's worthwhile? Here it is. I need the support to get this battle done because nobody has brought a fight against the United States because nobody had the standing or the understanding or the precedent, and I have all of them. We're, we're ready to go. So even if you're outside of the country, consider this. If we can put you know, a collar back on these private companies and say, this is how you regulate, 
it's going to have ramifications worldwide. Now, those countries will have to, to fight it out for themselves, you know, as to if they're going to try and regulate. But the reality here is, is that it will pull the restrictions that they have and it will at least be uniformly applied and have measurable bounds. We will know what is illegal and what is not. That is it. Not some arbitrary word like spam, clickbait, hate speech. All of these ridiculous terms that are completely discretionary will not be valid anymore. They're too vague. Jason, tie, tie things in here quickly. Uh, we've got, we've got, uh, okay, um, I just had a question there pop up. Uh, can the case not be funded by legal aid? Um, tie this in real quickly for listeners. We've, we've, we've got an unprecedented uh, global um, issue going on here. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. There's no coincidence. We're, we're coinciding with a global form of uh, networking and communicating in the internet. Uh, what are the links here? What are the links? And I want practical, uh, practical links. What are the links here between three things? Three things, and that would be uh, this this COVID nineteen uh, uh, pandemic, uh, the the Bitcoin or digital currency movement, uh, and and this uh, this this uh, disgusting censorship on free speech. What are the, what 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 are the links there in in your view, in your opinion? What are the links there, Jason? Honestly, I don't. I'm not the type of person that talks out of field when I don't know a lot about it. I am not very knowledgeable when it comes to crypto. Uh, and as far as COVID, um, I have my own beliefs and, and, and understandings to it. Um, you know, the link that I, the only link that I see is, is that the, these private companies acted as a, at the directive of government to essentially censor based upon their, the government's interest in vaccinating everybody and, and so forth. And, you know, that that is its own sort of issue. Um, that's how I would see that the social media becomes a, a dangerous threat, because, you know, it's it's not as if you can't say that the government hasn't done adverse things to its own people before. It has worldwide and it has to, to the extent that, you know, millions have died to think that the government is acting on the behalf of the interests of the people. No. I, I want people to recognize the Constitution was written. That's what protects us. It is not our politicians. The Constitution must stand. We must enforce it because if we don't enforce it, politicians will be the end of us. Well said, uh, Jason, a, uh, a website you can share. How do people get in touch with you? Um, right now, I don't really monitor my own website. I've, I've got my entire focus on this thing. We are going to be bringing up the Social Media Freedom Foundation. Um, the site is not built. We do have the domain. We are working on it now, but that will be um, smfreedom.org or socialmediafreedom.org. Um, and as soon as that's there, if you want to come help, um, we we need more than just money. We, we need help worldwide. We need to bring a movement to say enough is enough of this because I mean, everybody recognizes the danger at this point. Um, and now that we have the, the tools to actually stop it, we need to do it. Like we, we, a lot of people need to step up, help me get this done. And I, and I think that that's like what Patrick Byrne and, and dozens of other people I've been working with on the backside of things 
are recognizing now is we have this, we have, we are going to put together a monster force and get this fixed because it's, it's pretty dangerous. Um, as far as if you need to get in touch with me, I, I'm fairly easy to find on Facebook at Jason Fick. I do have a page. I don't really run it. I just use my personal profile. Um, message me direct. If you send me a friend request out of the blue, I'm not going to accept because I get them so often. Uh, or you can reach me on Twitter. Um, I think I'm completely uh, shadow banned because I get like 20 people liking things with 10,000 fans now. <laughs> is what it is. Um, but you can reach me there at Jason FYK. My, my last name's a little strange. It's F is in Frank YK. So it's Jason FYK. Uh, on Twitter and uh, look for my profile on Facebook uh, while it still lasts. And the uh, and the book when's it due out? Does it have a title, publisher? Uh, I I don't have a publisher yet. We I am talking with uh, Ryan Hartwig's. Um, uh, we I'm right. supposed to be in touch with them and their publisher and so forth because it's basically going to be a completely new explanation of Section 230 that nobody else has understood in its raw form. Um, because I'm, I, you know, I'm not out there just, you know, looking at old case precedent. I'm looking at all of it and working on how it it actually has to function in order for it to be a constitutional law. So that's going to be very different. I do have a current book out called uh, Social Justice. It's kind of a play on it because I use social media to get justice in my past. Um, and I'm working on two other books as well. But uh, yeah, if, if, if you just look up my name and uh, I don't know, I think the Section 230 book is going to be pretty good. I've been working on that pretty hard. I'll introduce you to Chris, uh, who's, who's my publisher. You can you can at least uh, feel him out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jason Fick taking on Section 230, taking on Facebook, and more importantly, uh, taking on the United States government uh, regarding uh, their uh, their incredible lapse in uh, control of, uh, of of a free internet. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining the program. I look forward to staying in touch with you, sir. Thank you, Ian.